Have you ever asked yourself, what's the best way I can contribute to sci-fi and fantasy in the literary world? If you have, the answer is simple. You just have to be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt and host the Sword and Laser podcast. If for some reason you can't be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt, however, don't despair. All is not lost. You can still head over to patreon.com slash swordandlaser and help fund their hard work. Every cent you give adds more swords and more lasers to their growing arsenal of speculative literary goodness. That's patreon.com slash swordandlaser. Hey everyone, I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. And welcome to Sword and Laser. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it is so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. Uh, this is our first roundtable chat, maybe second, second roundtable chat. I just realized we kind of did a roundtable chat with the Mongoliad yes. authors. Yes, we did. So this, is, this our is a special one. Second roundtable chat. And we haven't done one in years. It's true. And this is a special one because we are talking to the finalists of our Sword and Laser collection contest, round two, the sequel, over on inkshares.com. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks, thanks. so much. Hello. Yeah, thanks for being able to join us. Uh, we're going to go round the table, uh, imagine it being round, uh, and have them each introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about the book that they're hoping will win the Inkshares contest. Don't forget, uh, Veronica, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the first three that get published this time? Is yes. That, is that right? I believe that is the case. And then and somewhere Matt from Mingshares is going to be watching this and saying, <laughs> they should really know this better. Yeah, they should know that. This is um, kind of their job. Uh, you can go to inkshares.com uh, and, and check it out. And uh, at this point, basically what we're telling people is like, go get in on the ground floor. Like this is bragging rights time. You can, you can go and pre-order a book from an author who is going to get published uh, and then become famous, and then get an HBO deal, and then a movie deal, and then <laughs> retire to a castle and become a crazy person that will never talk to you again. But you could be there at the beginning of all of that. Yes, getting in on the ground floor is very, very an effective way to straight to the top. Uh, but Tom, why don't you introduce our our finalists? <laughs> we keep trying to make each other pronounce <laughs> names. Uh, so we'll start with you, Joseph Asfahani, uh, author of The Animal in Man. Uh, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your book. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I guess the first thing you should know about me is I, uh, I was a Chicago public school teacher for six years. Uh, you know, what are you going to do with an English degree? If you're not going to be a writer, you might as well be a teacher. So, city, uh, city of Chicago, huh? Yeah, city wow. of Chicago. Uh, That's impressive. All signs, all signs pointed us towards the suburbs, though, maybe about two years ago. So my wife and I moved out here, and I got a, a corporate job. But it's it pays the bills. It's not bad. But now I'm writing. I have more free time to write. Teachers have no free time. Uh, so I'm writing The Animal and Man. I've actually been writing it for probably about a decade. It started as... Uh, like this D&D campaign I wanted to run with all my friends and make it, you know, unique insofar as, like, all the characters would be animal people and have special abilities and things based like that. Uh, that sort of fell through, but uh, I had this immense amount of world building and backstory, and I didn't want it to go to waste, and I'm, I'm just in love with this world, so I made a main character. I had, uh, there's, there's an adventure, a quest that he goes on. Uh, it hits all the, uh, the best parts of, like, the hero's journey and all that stuff. Uh, I have a di diabolical villain that's always one step ahead, you know, but um, uh, I'm also 
one thing I, I, I can't really spoil anything, but there's like kind of a trick I'm pulling on my readers as well, because this story of mine is based on the allegory of the cave, which is a, a philosophical text that changed my life when I was in college. And I did it every year, uh, five times a year with, well, five classes, I mean, with my students. Uh, so it's all about lies and manipulation. And I'm kind of like pulling the wool over people's eyes uh, with the story itself, where halfway through or maybe towards the end, there's going to be kind of a big reveal that I think is really cool. Uh, there's only like three or four people that know about it besides me, and they all think it's pretty cool. But I can't tell you because then it's like a paradox. If I tell you, you'll want to buy the book, and you'll also not want to buy the book. Right, so. because you already know the twist, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know. That's that's kind of everything in a nutshell that I'm, I'm at liberty to say right now. And and how far along in the process are you? Is the book completed at this point? Uh, no, it's not. It's about 80,000 words. Uh, I mean, I guess... You know the average novel is about that, but then I have I'm estimating probably a hundred thousand more to go. Uh, I mean, when I get time to write, I can write pretty fast, and uh, I write pretty prolific. In fact, I think even the email I sent you, Tom, I'm like, this is way too long. I'm really sorry. So, <laughs> but I'm I consider myself a better editor. Like I'm really good at paring things down. That's actually what I do as my day job. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and that's a really interesting point because uh, I think a lot of people think of an editor when they're beginning writing as somebody who is is there to correct them. But it's really a second pair of eyes. I mean, you will get an editor from a publisher. And as a person who is an editor, how do you how do you feel about that? I mean, it's all about kind of being aware of how a story works. And I know how my own story is supposed to work. But this, it's like it's my baby. You know, you always want to say your baby is so cute and everything. But then, you know, there's always going to be some people out there that's like, well, this this could be nipped and tucked and this could be better. Or, you know, I've seen babies that have, you know, this kind of thing. I don't know where I'm going with this metaphor. That <laughs> abscess on the baby is not cute. You need that's to have that looked at. It's got to go. It's got to go. Got to lance it. <laughs> lance it right off. No, but uh, but yeah, like I, I'm, I'm excited to see what someone else has to say about my writing when I get it in front of the editor. Uh, you know, maybe places it can improve or uh, places where it already succeeds. You know, I'm just, I, I'm interested in seeing what, what someone else has to say once it's done. Cool. That's fantastic. And then up next, we have Matt Sobin, uh, who is writing The Last Machine in the Solar System. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show and tell us a bit about your story. Thanks. Um, so I'm from San Francisco, um, project manager out in San Francisco. So not a full-time writer, but, you know, that's the dream. And um, so I feel like I'm actually the total opposite of Joseph because, um, you know, he's been writing an amazing novel for 10 years and um, mine is sort of done and it's a novella that I wrote in like a little over a month. Um, so it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, in some ways I feel a little guilty. <laughs> it's not that, it's, it's not as epic as uh, some of the other, um, you know, projects in, in the competition. Uh, but I'm hoping, you know, I'm still giving people some bang for their buck. You know, they sit down, read this thing for an hour, and, uh, you know, have a have a great time with it. Um, so the story is about um, an artificial intelligence, a, a machine or a robot, that has outlived mankind by, like, two or three billion years and has sort of seen the destruction of the solar system. Uh, and his creator, who's also um, in the story sort of by a flashback, um, you know, is sort of 
conceived this and said, you know, I want to create this thing, even though I'm not going to be here, he'll be here. And if there is a way for maybe something to come after, you know, he'll have, uh, he'll have witnessed it and give his testimony about it. It's such a cool idea uh, for for that long range. I'm I'm a big fan of the of the long time span story. Uh, in fact, this is not the same as your as your story at all. But we watched a movie called The Age of Adeline uh, over the weekend, and it's about a woman who just stops aging. And so you you get that long perspective view. So you've multiplied that by hundreds and brought in artificial intelligence and space travel. Uh, and it just sounds fascinating to me. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And um, the other thing that I, you know, did with this story, and I've started to do more of, I've actually been writing it longhand. So I wrote this, you know, in a little notebook over, you know, uh, maybe about four weeks. And uh, it just sort of built on itself. I don't know where it came from. I was watching the Science Channel. It was going on about the solar system and, you know, what the sun's going to do. And all of a sudden I was thinking, what if, what if we were there? Or what if, what if something was there? Uh, How do you put yourself in the, into that that mind space of of the AI though? It, mm. it, it seems like a difficult trick to make it yeah. not just sound like the creator, for instance. Right. Um, well, he's actually. I hope he's an interesting character. In some ways, he's human, but in some ways, he's not. He's obviously very intelligent. In some ways, he was steered by his creator, but you know that sort of went by the wayside a long time ago. He's had to sort of think for himself for a very long time and make, you know, educated decisions. And, um, you know, he, he kind of has the whole library of humanity at his disposal. And he's sort of analyzed that, you know, who wrote what, what is knowledge and uh, thinking about what happened to man? What, what, what did they do? Where did they go wrong? Why did they fail? Um, and, um, you know, what is the point of the future? He can bring up a cave allegory, do a crossover with the animal and man. It works. I, I was actually, I don't know if, if I can jump in, but yeah, uh, it sounds like your story is sort of the uh, sequel to mine, sort of. <laughs> cool. But oh, no. That's awesome. That's That makes a lot of, that's, that's a pretty like cool good, combo. Man. We, we should talk after this, man. We should, uh, <laughs> we should knock heads together. Definitely. And you know what? I It's unusual because I don't think we've had very many, uh, would you call it a novelette or a novella length? Uh, right now, it's about ten thousand words. I, you know, I don't know where those put the categories. Um, I'm actually interested in making it a full-length novel. There are a lot of places it could be expanded. Um, even, you know, some of the comments on the Inkshares page have been like, "Yo, uh, this is really cool. Um, I'd love to hear more about this part." And, and mm-hmm. you know, the uh, the commenters are really insightful, and they're right. There, there's a lot more to delve into, and that might be something to do. And but I, what I love is that I think it will encourage other authors to say, well, I don't necessarily have a an eighty thousand book novel ready to go, but if I've got an idea and I can make a short story or a novella or a novelette out of it, then you know, Inkshares is still a potential outlet for that, which is great. Exactly. I, I had written one novel before, and that had taken up about two years of my time. And after that, I just kind of wanted to recharge, and I started writing more poetry and getting into short stories and. You know, that's sort of where this came from. You know, I, it, in some ways, it's a little more instant gratification. I can be, uh, you know, sit down, write a poem, and I'm done in an hour, or sit down and write a novel or a novella and be done in, you know, a month and a half or something like that. Right. 
So Craig, uh, last but certainly not least, author Craig Monroe, The Bones of the Past. Uh, tell us a little bit about your book and yourself. Well, uh, I currently live in Ottawa, Canada, uh, sort of from here. I haven't really lived here for much more than a handful of years over the course of my life. I've uh, been traveling always. I was born in Iran, and uh, my parents moved on from there, and I basically continued. Um, so I've I've recently moved back to uh, to Canada after after five years in Korea actually most recently, um, I've I've worked in all sorts of different jobs from painting buildings to uh, to government work here in Canada which is what I'm back to doing now to teaching English and French in South Korea so there's there's been all sorts of uh, of different occupations there and. Uh, Certainly, I understand the uh, the comment about teachers not having any time. Uh, that was that was certainly a problem. Um, but I guess my my book sort of grew from my my gaming as well. Um, a lot of the characters that that appeared in my in my book were characters from all sorts of role playing games that I played from high school on. I was always uh, dungeon mastering the games and trying to create interesting characters to to make the the stories work and give them some depth and uh, a lot of these characters just sort of started appearing again. Um, I guess about five years ago, my wife, I was having a, a conversation with her and uh, admitted to her that I'd always wanted to write a novel but I'd never really started and she gave me a notebook the next day and a pen and said, what are you waiting for? Get started. And uh, for about five years now, I've been writing, and it was chaotic. I was writing snippets of stories in these notebooks that were totally unrelated to each other. Sometimes I didn't even fill in names. I just used a symbol for a character. And slowly I started realizing that the story was coming together, and it was becoming a coherent whole. And I kind of sculpted it into really what would be three or four novels at least and I took a chunk in the middle and I defined that as as the novel that I was going to be writing this time which gave it a lot of backstory and a lot of uh, future as well if there's if there's opportunities to write more in this so the novel itself is done um, it's it's about hundred and fifty six thousand words right now um, still working on some edits and rewrites of, uh, of parts of it, but uh, I really wanted to make something huge, uh, really uh, grand. I mean, there's a few authors out there that, that inspired me. Uh, Steven Erickson is one of them, just a really big, complex world that I, I don't feel that I'm limited by space or number of characters. There are a lot of different characters in my in my story, and they all do huge things, and they all do have big lives that are doing so much, and they all kind of fit together, and it makes it into a coherent whole. And I'm I'm really excited about about sharing it, really. That's awesome. So I, I'm curious from from all of you at, at this point, like what what have you, what has your experience been with shares, and and how is it different from either other publishing thing you've you've done in the past, or or what did what did you get out of it the most? And let's start with uh, I'm sorry, we'll start with Craig. 
well, I've never published anything. Um, this, this was my first experience writing anything, and I was just reaching the point where I was going to start looking at publishing options. I knew I didn't want to go the self-publishing route. I wanted my book to be a physical book. I wanted, the dream is to see it on a bookshelf in a bookstore. That's always been the dream. And uh, my brother actually saw a post about Inkshares and suggested it to me just a couple of months ago, and here I am. It's been crazy. I, I'm shocked at how fast things are moving, and and the response has been unbelievable, and I'm, I'm really excited. I've met my quill goal already, so I know whatever happens in this competition, I know the book will be out there in some form or other, and it's, it's just so exciting. It's phenomenal. Go ahead, Joseph. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that... Uh... You know, me, Craig, and, and Matt, and all the Inkshares authors are getting in on something that's just really great, like on the ground floor. Uh, I mean, it, it's like a new model for publishing, and it's not like, uh, it's nothing cheap. I mean, it's it's like high quality uh, materials they're using, and um, and I mean, the it, it's it's really something as a, as a publisher. I've never been published before, you know, like Craig said. Also, besides maybe like a, a poem or a short story in a college literary magazine or something. But um, Inkshares is really just like a, it's a validation when you can post your idea there and people can come and say, wow, this is really neat. And, I, you know, for me personally, like I want you to finish this book uh, so that I can read it. I've had so many people tell me that. I, I work better when I know people are depending on me, when there's people watching me. Whether it was like an assignment for my master's degree or something, I got to get it done on a certain day. Uh, you know, that's when I produce my best stuff. So for me, Inkshares is amazing because I already have this huge follower base uh, that's going to be pushing me along. So I really, I really, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I think a lot of authors have varying opinions about how much to engage with the audience. We, we've talked to a lot of them on Sword and Laser. Uh, some very involved and listen closely and engage in forums and and others uh, more removed and say, look, I'm I'm the author, I'm dictating the story and, and I like to meet the readers, but I, I don't want them telling me what which way things are gonna happen. Wait, how do you guys feel about that with something like Inkshares where you're, you're in cahoots with the audience from the beginning, right? Like it's, the, the beauty of it is that it's turning the publishing on its head and saying, yeah, you'll get orders. That's not the problem. Let's just make the book. How do you how do you guys feel about where the boundary is between, you know, let's say killing off a character that, you know, the majority of people who are pre-ordering your book love or, 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 or things like that? Let's, let's go ahead and start with you, Matt. Uh, you know, that's really interesting. You know, when I started thinking about ink shares and I put my work on there. I was just looking for the feedback. I, I didn't think I was going to do a funding campaign. Even 250 seemed like a big, a really big number for me. And uh, I only jumped in with the contest. So I just wanted the feedback. Maybe this is as cool an idea as I think it is. Other people like it. Maybe they'll start following it and gain traction. And the feedback was, was great. I, I, I really liked the interaction that I was getting with people. Um, especially my, my story has a lot of science in it. And I felt like it was really important that my science be sort of spot on um, to add a level of realism to what the robot's seeing and um, how the solar system's developing. And, uh, you know, when people started to delve into that and give me feedback, 
uh, and that that was great. Um, you know, I, I really can't kill off my character because if I do, then I'm out of <laughs> You're out of characters. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of the last person or last thing well, or I, last yeah, and left you, on in the universe, right? And if you kill anybody off in the backstory, it's like, well, we knew they were dead already. <laughs> exactly. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Joseph? Um, well... Like I have everything kind of planned out, so I think I might be. Uh, I like engaging with with the fans, with the followers. Just uh, you know, if anybody ever wants to know anything, I will totally reveal whatever you want to know. But I, it comes at a heavy disclaimer first. But uh, but the story is already complete. It's already. I mean, the the writing's not complete, but the outline is complete. It's all complete up here. Yeah, you know where I it's got going. pages and got pages it. and notes. Yeah, so I can't let anybody dictate where it goes because I already know where it goes. Um, I'm just happy that people are, are willing to see where it goes. And, uh, and, and Craig, I, I want to know a little more from you about the story. Cause I, I, what I love is, is when authors develop a world that is much bigger than the story you get, which it sounds like is what you've done. And, and, and I'm a big fan of that because you always feel like there's more off the edge of the page, which really lends it a, a sense of immersion. But, but tell us a little more about the story that you're going to tell in this one. Well, I guess the, the story I'm, I'm focusing on in, in this segment of the novel, um, I, it's hard even to say it's one story. It's it's the story of several characters that do intersect at various points. Uh, the four sample chapters that I posted are basically the intro chapters to four different characters. And each of them has their own story to tell. And basically, um, probably one of the darker characters in there that has more of a widespread influence is um, a character who uses magic to manipulate life. Um, he, he's, his name is Carver, he's the last living flesh Carver, and he uses his magic to manipulate life in... It, it kind of uh, has, has echoes of my, uh, my background in molecular biology, and I, I like the idea of, uh, of evolution and using magic in that sense, so there's a little bit of science mixed in there and a few, uh, a few science terms thrown in as well, just that I couldn't resist. But um, basically, it's, it, his magic is going to disrupt things on the continent to a large degree. And that will have repercussions that will affect different people more or less of the other characters who are, who are involved in the book. Um, basically, he, uh, he very quickly in the first chapter will get noticed by a despot and makes himself invaluable to him and starts supplying him with basically grown organic weaponry. Um, I'm getting the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Is it, <laughs> is it, does, it, does it veer into kind of like the creepy territory? It sounds like it might. With that character it does, but it doesn't necessarily with the others. Uh, some, some of the characters' story arcs are much darker than others. Um, uh, Nial is is another fairly dark character. She's she's kind of in this type of possession uh, of a demon, but they're more a partnership than uh, than anything else. So we have a little ten year old girl running around hunting for souls. A little bit dark as well. Um, but then there's there's uh, Mora, who uh, basically is, is starts out as a housewife, and all sorts of events happen around her, and she rises to the occasion, and she becomes much more than that. But there's none of this, oh, magic powers or anything. Nobody is going to discover that they're 
you know, Arthur and pull the, the sword out of the stone and become something that they're not. I try to keep a logical uh, character progression and a logical character evolution. Anything that I find difficult to accept, a, a sudden change that's out of character, I, I can't do. I hate that in, in books myself, in movies, anything else, and I try to stay away from that as much as possible in my writing. So there's, there's kind of everything from a very soft character uh, who maybe has to do some un unpleasant things or is involved in, in some unpleasant events, all the way over to Carver who is I wouldn't say evil, but uh, he's certainly not the nicest person in the world and does yeah. some things that are certainly horrible. Like carving flesh. Yeah, his name is Carver, so I yeah. assume he does some horrible <laughs> things to, to, to body parts. Um, so in, in closing, however, and we'll go down the line again uh, for this one more time, uh, there's so many people who are considering doing something like this down the line, and of course we'll probably have more collection contests in the in the months and years to come. What would you say to authors who are are looking to get started? What really put you over the hump to to get rolling, to to write this thing, to decide to publish it, to decide to crowdfund it? Uh, I guess I can start if that's all right. <laughs> Go for it. Um, well, I just remember one time I was standing on the, the roof of this high-rise building I used to live in, and I'm like, you know, this was maybe five years ago, and I'm like, you know what, I need to write this thing before I'm 35 years old. And I just kind of made a promise to myself, you know. Uh, it was a weird moment that just sticks out in my memory. Um, and so I'm 30, I'm going to be 34 this year, and so there was that countdown coming. Uh, my friend Rick Hines, uh, who was in the Nerdist collection with the, his book The Seventh Age Dawn, uh, he, I saw him go through the Ink Shares uh, campaign and all the stress it put him under, and uh, I told him all about my book because he was actually going to be one of the characters. Uh, he's the hyena in the first uh, chapter. Who, if you've uh, read the other chapters I posted just yesterday, you find out what happens to him. Uh, but anyway, so he had his book, and he says, "Joe, this this book is amazing. Like, you need to get this thing done." and I'm kind of a procrastinator, and I'm I'm always you know feeling like I'm exhausted or something after I was especially after I'm a teacher, uh, but I'm more willing now than ever to get this thing done. And if if you're an author out there who's thinking about uh, you know whether or not you want to go this route through Ink Shares to get published, I think that you know like I said earlier, it's like getting in on the ground floor of something that's really great for us authors. I mean, uh, there's no better opportunity you can kind of sell your idea. It doesn't even have to be a book. You can sell your idea. Uh, if people like it, they'll tell you they like it. They'll back it. If they don't like it, you'll at least learn that there's people out there that have an opinion, and then you can learn from that and change it accordingly. And I mean, where, where else are you going to get that kind of thing besides, you know, some chat room somewhere where someone might make fun of you or something? I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, it's been a great opportunity for me, and I would encourage anybody who's thinking about writing a book to do the same. That's great. And what about you, Matt? You know, I was just thinking when Joseph started saying that, back to what Craig said at the beginning about how his wife gave him a notebook and said, here you go. And I love that story because that's exactly what people should do. If they're thinking about it, you should just do it. When I, uh, when I write, I sort of go in my office and I don't even sit at the desk. I close the door behind me and I, I turn on the music and I lay on the floor with the notebook and I'll just write on the floor longhand. Um, and I think that's, um, you know, avoid the distractions. Uh, turn off the Internet and get down and do it. And um, as far as jumping into the contest, 
Um, the best advice I got was actually from fellow Inkshire's author, uh, Vincent Lim, who's the author of the Cora Chronicles. Um, it was like December 2nd or 3rd, and uh, I hadn't jumped in. I think I jumped in the end of December 2nd, and he, he just sent me an email in like all caps, like saying, do it. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'll do it. Um, so that's, that's the advice I would give people. Yeah, someone a little little peer pressure never hurts anybody, I think, in this kind of situation. Just saying, just, you know, just effing get in there, buddy. Just got to go. Just got to right. do that thing. Uh, Craig, what do you think? Well, um, yeah, for, for me, it was a little bit the same. I didn't intend to take part in this contest. I didn't think I was ready. Um, I had just joined Inkshares uh, sometime in November. Uh, my intention was to build a follower base a little bit more, get some more feedback on my intro chapters, try and, and build towards this. And the contest had started and I thought, well, I've, it's a missed opportunity. It's too bad it started so soon. I'm not ready. I'm going to wait. And on December 18th, one of my sisters shared uh, my, my author Facebook page and it just triggered this series of shares and before I knew it the, the, the page had reached I don't know a couple thousand people and I had a hundred follows in, in a matter of hours and I thought well I, I have to get in on this I can't waste all this goodwill and all this good uh, positive reaction so I, I launched the funding for the campaign still not really thinking I would be able to uh, compete in the contest because I started 18 days late basically uh, but my family and friends have been campaigning as hard as I have. Uh, there's been a lot of late nights for all of us, and the support has been unbelievable. And here I am, and I'm I'm hoping to stay here. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta say, by the way, Craig, like man, when you shot up like uh, the 20th or 21st, I woke up in the morning, and I'm like, oh my god, who is this guy? Like, where did he come from? <laughs> You what know what I mean? Life? Like, you definitely gave me some pause and, like, reignited the flame under, you know. Man, I'm glad we're all here, though, like, like all three of us now, you know what I mean? Oh, me yeah. too, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's there's some phenomenal books uh, who are below us, and it's I'm sad that there aren't more spots towards the top, but uh, I actually haven't uh, pre-ordered pre your book yet, Joseph. I've been uh, using my credits for for projects that are not quite so close to uh, succeeding <laughs> yet. But. It's, it's okay, because I feel the same way. I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> I like but, this. I feel like we're stoking the competitive fires here. <laughs> Friendly you know, competition, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I plan on ordering Craig's book definitely before the contest ends. But, uh, you know, I think the wise move would be to just see where things go first. You know, <laughs> absolutely, project, right? absolutely. That's how I feel, too. No. Yeah. But definitely, I've read your sample chapters, and I'm looking forward to reading the whole thing. There's no doubt. I like right. how Matt's just in the corner with his arms folded, like, <laughs> I'm just going to come out of nowhere, and He's you like, guys are going to be... I got my I read a lot of Matt's books, so... <laughs> I got both of their books. <laughs> oh, there we go. We got the good sport here. Well, Craig, uh, Matthew, Joseph, thank you so much for participating in the contest. We're really excited to see how things wrap up later this week, I guess. Gosh, it's it's all happened so fast. Um, so you guys can check out. We'll put the link in the show notes. But, yeah, head over to Inkshares. The contest is still going strong. Uh, we've got 10 books going in the running still on, on the front page of the contest there. A lot of great stories. Follow the authors if you like what they're doing. Pre-order their books. Um, it's just a phenomenal phenomenal situation and I'm so excited to see what comes out on top at the end. Yeah, uh, keep voting, folks, because remember, there's 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 a pick that will go on the Sword and Laser collection. There are the the top three that will for sure get published uh, by Ink Shares. 
if they meet their quill goal, uh, they get to be published as part of the quill imprint. Uh, so the night proper, Children of the Forest, Deus Hex Machina are all still in the running. Uh, they just need you to jump in on on any of these books. Uh, so yeah, go to swordandlaser.com and look for the Inkshares link there, or just go to inkshares.com and look for the Sword and Laser And of contest. course... Yes, and of course, our show is also uh, crowdfunded just on a different site. It's crowdfunded over on Patreon.com. So you can head over there and support our show at Patreon.com slash Sword and Laser. Uh, well, you can also support the show by buying books or even clicking on Amazon links. Now, we don't have a big Amazon banner ad, but go to swordandlaser.com slash picks. You'll find links to a lot of the books that we've talked about on the show. And if you click through and buy any of those books or buy anything from Amazon after you've clicked on those links, uh, we'll get some credit. And that's another way to help out the show, swordandlaser.com slash picks. And if you want to get in touch with us, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on Goodreads at goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. Leave us a review on iTunes and check out the website, swordandlaser.com. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!